0: and the preaching. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm so thrilled I am too. Uh, there's nothing like serving the Lord. And I appreciate so much your pastor. Uh, his faithfulness here uh, and uh, sticking with the stuff and, and seeing God work uh, through uh, his just being faithful and serving the Lord. I really appreciate it. Um, I remember some of the old days uh, uh, when we were in the, I think I remember mostly the Uh, place the first place we met uh, there in Kaiserville, but uh, I don't know if we parked a trailer I know one time we parked out in the country somewhere and uh, so it's really a blessing to see how God has blessed you with such a beautiful building and uh, you know it's just fantastic and I really uh, am thankful for what God is uh, doing here Um, as the pastor mentioned I I have I pull a trailer I've been doing that for uh, 48 years uh, across the country, preaching the Bible, and um, uh, but I had a breakdown out in uh, Wyoming. I was out in Wyoming, and uh, the wheel bearings uh, uh, went out. I of the wheels and burned up the the uh, burn up the axle, and uh, that was my fault, you know, because uh, you know um, I I didn't pack the bearings. <laughs> I, I let it slipped through my mind that uh, you know <clears throat> those bearings need to be packed. And uh, so now I'm going to, uh, you know, if you have problems that you learn from them, it, it's, it's good. And I've learned that from here on out every year I'm packing my wheel bearings <laughs> on the trailer because uh, I really miss being in the trailer. It's, it's really uh, uh, something I, I really miss. And it's still uh, uh, still out there. Uh, they got it back halfway uh, and uh, the other side went out. Uh, bearings on the other side of that axle went out. And uh, so now it's in Newton, Iowa. It's getting closer to home. I live in Indiana, so it's getting a little bit closer. uh, And finally it might make it. But uh, anyway, that's why I'm here without my trailer. Uh, But uh, Pastor's uh, graciously uh, taking care of that. Beautiful place I'm staying in down there in the the Comfort Hotel down there. and, And I really, really appreciate uh, that so, it's good to be here. I'm thankful for the opportunity. Take your Bible if you will. Turn to the book of Matthew, chapter uh, number sixteen. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number sixteen, in your Bible. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number sixteen, in the Word of God. And uh, we're going to start reading with verse number thirteen in your Bible, please. Matthew sixteen thirteen. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. Uh, uh, he, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, others Jeremiah, so one of the prophets. He said to them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, And said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou Simon by Jehovah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we just thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts this morning. Have your way. Save that lost soul that may be here. Stir our hearts as Christians. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the praise. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. What is the purpose of a church? This is uh, your 45th anniversary, and uh, what is the purpose of a church? Uh, is it to uh, provide a, a a place, a building that people can admire and drive by and say, "Oh, what is that? Look at that beautiful building." Uh, is it uh, to uh, uh, give food out to the poor? Is that the uh, the place, uh, the purpose of a church? Uh, is it to uh, uh, you know uh, deal with politics and get involved in political issues and so forth? What is the purpose of uh, church is it to entertain people make people feel good about themselves and entertain them you know we got a lot of churches that got entertainment and all all that kind of stuff and uh, uh, to draw a crowd and so forth and and but is that the purpose of a church what is the purpose of a church folks the purpose of a church is to tell people about Jesus Christ It's all about Jesus. That's the purpose of church. It's all about Jesus uh, Christ. And so this morning, I want us to uh, uh, look at uh, uh, the purpose of church is to exalt Jesus. And I want to do that this morning. I want you to see who is Jesus. Who is Jesus in your life? Who is He going to be to you uh, in your life? You know, a lot of people know about Jesus, but they don't know Him. Say. There's a world difference uh, between knowing about Jesus and not knowing him. Say. And uh, I knew about him for years, but I didn't know him personally. I didn't know him personally. And uh, and so I want to uh, look at uh, this uh, question, who is Jesus? Uh, Jesus asked his disciples, "Whom do men say that I am? Uh, who is Jesus uh, to you? Who is he? I want you to see this morning uh, uh, why you ought to know Jesus personally as your personal Lord and Savior. Uh, how he needs to be a, a personal Savior to you. Not something you know about, uh, but uh, he needs to be real to you. He needs to be your personal Savior. Alright, first of all, because of his manhood manhood of jesus you know it's amazing to look at the manhood of jesus he was just like you and just like me he was a man uh he had eyes he had ears he he had feet he walked uh he ate uh he got tired he got weary uh jesus is is uh you know just like you and just like me in his uh, manhood he's a he became a man the bible says but there's one significant thing about jesus is manhood that is above our manhood and that is he never sinned jesus never ever sinned one time he was tempted at all points like as we are yet he never sinned at one point not a thought not a word not a deed they asked one time uh what do uh, uh is there anything I've done wrong? Uh, let me know about. It. And no one could speak up and say anything. Jesus is, uh, is man. Uh, he is uh, uh, a a man above uh, every other man. Uh, he is uh, uh, just a man of a greater uh, ability to to uh, uh, work in, in your life, in my life. Uh, the Bible tells, tells us in Hebrews uh, chapter uh, number 2 and verse number 18 for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted he was tempted like you and me but he never, he never gave in to one uh, temptation he is able to succor. that word succor means he's able to help, he's able to encourage he's, he's able to uh, uh, take up your burdens, he's able to uh, uh, walk along the side of you and, and to be real and personal in your life, he is man he's forever man by the way Uh, we're going to see him God is a spirit you don't ever see him he's a spirit Uh, but we will see Jesus he's got a man Uh, he's got a body Uh, he's a man for all eternity Uh, we will ever see the scars we will ever see uh, him uh, and look upon him uh, you know, my wife was uh, was uh, uh, on her last uh, days in our trailer. Uh, she went over to be the Lord uh, uh, five years ago, and, and I remember those last days laying there uh, in the uh, in the bed. Uh, all of a sudden, she went, "Oh, oh!" She was seeing Jesus, and she was just overwhelmed. He, Jesus is, is someone when you see Him, you're going to be overwhelmed at His awesomeness, at His uh, magnificence. Jesus is man. He's the God-man. He's man, and uh, He's able to sucker you. He's able to walk with you. He's able to take up your burdens uh, this, this uh, morning. He's got some heavy burdens. He, he wants to come and help bear those burdens that you got in your life. Say. So you, you need to know Jesus personally as your Savior because of His manhood. You need to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, not only because of His manhood, but you need to know Him because of His uniqueness. Jesus was, was unique. Uh, he was unique in so many different ways. You know, I like unique people. Uh, every person is unique, but Jesus is uh, the top of the, uh, the, the line, I mean, he's, he's the most unique person that's ever, uh, ever lived and ever will really live, uh, Jesus is unique in a number of ways because he was unique in um, what he claimed, he claimed to be God, now he's either greatly uh, mentally off or uh, he was a liar or is who he says he is, he's God. And, uh, but Jesus is God. He said, before I am, before Abraham was, I am, in John chapter 8, verse 58. You see, Jesus never had a beginning like you and me. Jesus is eternal. Uh, you had a beginning, I had a beginning. Uh, and uh, Jesus uh, had an ending uh, but uh, praise God, God he came forth to death he's alive uh, for all eternity but you and I are not like him he had a uh, never had a beginning and he is God the Bible tells us that uh, he is uh, God in flesh. Philippians 2, 6-8 says, Who being in the form of God, fell not not and meek with God, remained himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a serpent, and was made the likeness of heaven, and being found in flesh as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even the death of the cross, wherefore God hath highly exalted him. And given a name which is above every name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus is God in flesh. He's the God of man. He's just not man, but he is a God. He claimed to be pre-existent, and he is uh, the eternal God. Before Abraham was, uh, you know, uh, he uh, was. Jesus is uh, a God. Hebrews 1:8, the Bible says, Uh, In Hebrews 1 8, uh, he has set in the old uh, uh, God, thy throne is forever. He has set in the Son, O God, thy throne is forever. What do you call it? Called it God. He says in the Son, O God, thy throne is forever. In John 1 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The word there is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is uh, unique. He is unique of, uh, of uh, God and man. But not only is he unique in what he claimed, but he's unique in what he said. Jesus is very unique in what he said. Uh, uh, the Bible says uh, uh, that he uh, said some unique things about forgiveness. He said that, uh, uh, you know, one time Peter came and said, uh, how, how, how many times should I forgive someone? And Jesus, uh, you know, I'm sure Peter thought, well, you know, seven times. You know, he was thinking that Jesus, uh, that's pretty good. I mean, he <clears> seven <throat> times. And Jesus said 70 times seven. In other words, 49 times. And he said, uh, in other words, you say, you need to be good at forgiving. By the way, do you know what the key to a happy marriage is? Two people are good at forgiving. Two people are good at forgiving, you know? And I'll tell you something, Jesus was unique in what He said about forgiveness. He said that we are to continually be forgiving. In John uh, chapter number 22, verse 14, Jesus on the cross, and He's saying on the cross, Father, forgive them. That's in the present tense, by the way. In other words, it was something that He was continually saying. He was continually saying, Father, you know, Jesus doesn't ask you to do something that He doesn't already set the example for. He wants you to continually forgive. But you know something, uh, he, he did himself. Continues crying out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. He's unique in what he says about uh, uh, forgiveness. He's unique in what he says about lust. In Mark chapter 5, verse 28, he said, If a man looks upon a woman and thinks about adultery, he's committed it. That's what he said. You know, the law says, uh, you know, you commit adultery, uh, you know, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, you're going to die. But, uh, you know, the Bible says, Jesus added to the law, he said, you know, if you look upon a woman and you think uh, about uh, adultery, you've already committed uh, the sin of adultery before me. You see, it's not just an action, uh, it, it, now it's, a, it's an attitude, it's a thought. See, adultery is a thought. Jesus uh, is unique in uh, what he said about lust. In Mark chapter number 5, uh, we find these words. This is what Jesus said. Listen to what he said. He said in Mark chapter 5 and uh, verse uh, uh, number uh, 21, uh, well, excuse me, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse number uh, 21. Uh, he said that in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verse number 21, he said these words. Listen to it. Um, in uh, it, it's in Mark chapter five. Excuse me, Mark chapter five and uh, verse uh, number. Uh, Mark chapter seven. <laughs> I'll get it yet. <laughs> Mark chapter seven, verse twenty one. He said these words: "For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts." and adulteries and fornication and uh, 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 thefts and, and uh, covetousness and wickedness and deceit and lasciviousness and evil eye blasphemy pride foolishness all these evil things come from within see Jesus said our problem is not outside our problem is on the inside see man is a sinner because of, of a heart that's sinful Jesus uh, uh, points out to us that uh you know, that's the reason why we got to be born again. See, that's why you can't get to heaven way you are with your heart. You got to have a new heart. You got to have. A, you got to be born again. You got to have a new heart to get to heaven. God's not gonna let that old sinful heart that's full of uh, sin and lustful thoughts and and covetousness and all. God. He's not gonna let that. You got to be born again. That's why Jesus said, "Got to be born again to go to heaven." You need a new heart. I uh, say, uh, to get to heaven. So Jesus is unique in uh, uh, what he said. He's unique in what he claimed to be. Uh, and he is uh, a man uh, that was uh, uh, without sin and uh, uh, totally able to uh, help and succor and, and uh, 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 be there, someone to walk, walk alongside of you and who will never leave you or forsake you. You see, that's what Jesus Christ is able to do. He's able to do that when you know him personally. If you don't know him personally, you know uh, you, you're not going to have that wonderful, uh, wonderful uh, walk uh, alongside of Jesus to succor you when you're going through t- trials and temptations and and to help you in, in times of great uh, uh, difficulty. And so we find that uh, he ought to be someone you know personally because of his manhood, because of his uh, also his uniqueness, but also you need to know Jesus Christ personally, not just. In Else to know about it. I knew about him for many years, but I didn't know him personally. There's a world difference. There's a world difference. See, knowing Jesus is a relationship. It's a really, You know, the difference between religion and uh, Jesus Christ is religious uh, There's no relationship. There's no personal relationship. Say, and uh, but uh, knowing Jesus Christ is is what. He's only going to be real when you know him uh, personally. He's only going to be real in you. Otherwise, he's just going to be somebody that. You know, uh, people talk about it, uh, a book the Bible's about and so forth. You, you're never going to know him and know how wonderful he is until you know him personally, see? You're never going to know how wonderful he is. And so uh, you, need uh, manhood, his, uh, you need to know him personally because of his manhood, because of his uniqueness, but you need to know personally because of his authority. Jesus has a tremendous authority. This is how you can prove that he's God, that he is who he says he is. Look at his authority. He had authority over nature. You remember how one time there was a big storm that came along and, and the Son were scared to death and they thought they were going to drown. And so, uh, you know, they come down and wake up Jesus. He's asleep in his pillow, you know. And they're up and say, Jesus, we're going to drown. The storm has come. Jesus comes up on, this, on the uh, boat and he says, peace, be still. And those waves just lay down. He turned around a storm. He can turn around your life. Maybe your life's full of storms today. (laughs) He wants to turn your storm around and give you peace that passeth all understanding. He is uh, very authoritative because he uh, has authority over all of nature. And Jesus has authority not only over all of nature, but in Mark chapter 5, we find they had authority over a disease. There was a woman that had an issue of blood 12 years, and she had spent all her money to try to uh, get to a healing for that disease, you know. Uh, her money was gone. It looked like homelessness. Jesus came along, and Jesus healed that woman of that disease that she after for 12 years. And nobody was able to help. No medicine, no nothing could help Jesus has authority over disease. I want to tell you something. Uh, he's the greatest uh, antidote to any disease, you know. He's the greatest antidote, you know. The greatest disease you have is the disease of sin. Uh, you know, everyone is born of that disease. Jesus is the one, the only one who can bring healing to the disease of sin that we're all born into. Say. And so he had authority over disease. We find also in the book of Mark there, chapter uh, number 5, that he had authority over demons. There was a man possessed with demons. He had legion of demons, uh, legion of a uh, row, legion a hundred soldiers. And so he had over a hundred demons inside of him. And uh, he's a maniac. He's, he's running around absolutely naked. He's absolutely under... Uh, no, nobody can control him. They, they bind him with chains. So he just breaks him. He's, he's got this demonic power inside of him. And Jesus comes along to throw out the
1: demons.
0: And he's seated. And he's clothed. And he's right. By him. Jesus is uh, someone that you ought to know personally. Because of his authority. He has authority over disease. He has authority over storms, over nature. He has authority over also, uh, we find uh, death. Remember there in Mark chapter 5, there's a girl by the name of Jairus, uh, uh, excuse me, of uh, Tabitha, and uh, Jairus' daughter, and Jairus', you know, my. Must have, we don't know how many children uh, Jerry his much have, but you know, it doesn't say, it, it says "Yeah, had, maybe only had one daughter, and I'll tell you something, that daughter is probably pretty precious to him. I had three boys and a daughter, and I thank God for my three boys, but I share like my daughter. <laughs> and uh, I always wanted a girl, I was raised in a home of all boys, and so I always wanted a girl. And uh, we, my wife and I got married, and, and the first boy, the first child came, is a boy, the second child came, it was a boy, the third child came, as was a boy, and I said, Lord, don't forget. three boys to play the trumpets i don't know if pastor remembers. we probably had trumpet trio play uh when we were at the other church uh, building and and uh uh so you could tell who was closest the lord my wife or me you know it was her she got the boys first right off the bat you know and so i always wanted a girl and the last uh, boy that came on the last child came along the doctor said it's gonna be a boy And uh, I thought, okay, Lord, if that's what you want me to have, that's all right. Just so he's healthy, well, that's what you want. I want your will. I don't want my will. I want your will. You know, it's the greatest uh, place to come in your life. You know, I don't know if you ever come to that place where you say, God, I want your will. You're missing out on something, boy. I said, God, I want your will. And uh, so the doctor's me, boy. And I said, but Lord, I sure like to have that girl. You know. I think the Lord changed that boy in the womb, and that boy became a girl in the womb.
1: You know why? He could can do
0: that. I don't know about your God. I, I my God's Jesus Christ says, "Paul." Uh, and you know, uh, I was in that hospital room when my daughter was born. Back at my first three boys, you know, you, they had this little rectangular room. You'd walk back and forth. we were out there rocking and you know. all. You'd be in there and wondering how she'd go and stuff. But now, my last job, they, they started letting dads come in there, you know, into the into the did you get to do that back there in that road Did you get to go in? You know, I don't know if you did or not, but but I did And, and you know, mm-hmm. I tell you what, it's a miracle. Oh, I'll tell you something. I don't know how anybody could not believe. I don't know how they believe in evolution, you know, like you know, the marvel of the birth of the baby. But anyway, I'm standing there, and you know the baby's coming out, and I say to myself,
1: you know, that doesn't look like a boy. It was a And I'll tell you something.
0: I believe God always right. if God uh, didn't change it to rule, we'll be here my prayer, man. <laughs> I think he was blessing my life said, yeah, okay, you want my will. Okay, Gary, that's that's a wonder okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have your will. You know? And God uh, gave me a, a little girl, and I don't know, maybe Jerry has yes, maybe he's in the same situation, you know, I don't know. But that girl is really precious to Jairus. And he he's the little girl's gonna die. She's gonna die. You know? And so Jairus goes to Jesus and, and Jesus comes and, and Jesus says, Tabitha, that was her name. Tabitha, arise. And that little girl came right up. Out of the sleep that she was in. She came right up. And I'll tell you something, dear friend, Jesus has power over death. He has power over death. I I tell you what, you you need to know him personally. I hope you do. It's not about him, that's not gonna do you any good. You know the devil knows about Jesus. Does that do him any good? No, he's going to hell. You can know all about Jesus, that's okay. You need to know him personally. Has there been a time and place when you come to him? That's how you know him personally. There's gotta be a time and place when you come to him. Do you know when it was? Can you tell where it was? Oh, I'll tell you something. You need to know there's been a time and place when you've come uh, to Jesus. Yeah, he has authority over... I want you to learn... Th- no, one more thing He's got authority. He's got authority over judgment. Do you know that every man is going to stand before Him at the final judgment? You're going to stand before Him and He's going to say, uh, Who Who am I to you? Do I know... You, you know, a lot of people are going to say, Depart me. I never knew you. I never knew who you were. Depart from me. Say, it's not a matter of whether you know Jesus, whether he knows you. And to for him to know you, you've got to come to him personally and say, I want you, Lord. I want you in my life. I want you, I want you to be my savior, I want you to take care of my sins. You know, you've got to come to Him personally. Say, come. That's it's great, that's a great verb in the Bible. A verb is a word of action. Come, Jesus, come unto me. You just don't, you've got to come to him. There's got to be an action in your part, a time, a place where you come to him in sincerity. Not because your dad wants you to, your mom wants you to, your wife wants you to. you got to come because you really believe that He is God, that He is who He says He is, that He has authority over you and your eternal destiny. The Bible does say, uh, Acts 17, 31, because He hath raised Him from the dead. Uh, and uh, uh, appointed day of judgment he's going to be the judge he's, you ought to come to him he's going to be your judge and if you if you don't come to him he's not going to know you and, and he'll be cast into to hell to pay for your sin for only duty and so you want to know him personally because of his manhood because of his unique uh, uni- uh, uniqueness you want to know him personally because of his authority and uh, you need to know uh, Jesus uh, personally because of uh, his death his death There are a number of things about His death that you need to uh, recognize. You need to know the way of His death. The way of His death. Horrible way. Horrible way. The crucifixion way. Uh, The cross way. Horrible. There was no more horrible way to die than to die by means of the cross. It was despicable to die that way. In fact, the the word cross back in those days was like a curse word uh, would be us. It was a a horrible uh, type of uh, death. And Jesus died on the cross a horrible death. As they, uh, uh, you know, beat him with a, a cat of nine tails. And, and uh, uh, they spit upon him and, and they cursed him. He died a horrible death. And then you need to know who he died for. Who did he die for? He died for you. He died for me. First Peter 2, uh, 24 says, Who is own shall bear our sins in his own body, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes were healed. He died for you. He died uh, for me. You know, I used to believe He died for the world, but I I I was, didn't know Jesus personally uh, because, uh, you know, I, I didn't uh, realize He died for me. Uh, one day I realized that Jesus died for the world, but, you know, He died for me. You know, all of a sudden, I He died for me. And I was all alone with it. I was just a little trailer for a boy. You know, and He died for me.
1: I thought, you know,
0: he has for me that he would die for me and that's what Jesus did he died for you and you know something uh, you need to know something else you know what uh, was said about him as he was on the cross Knows what people said uh, about him when He's on the cross you know uh, uh, Pilate said I find no fault in him Pilate said uh, uh, Pilate was a coward he said I find no fault in him why didn't you bow your knee to him Pilate He's afraid of what the world would say. He was afraid of it. Uh, he didn't have the courage. He was a coward. You know, many people will, will, will uh, be uh, in hell for, for, because they were cowards. They, were, they didn't have the courage to say, I need Jesus. They love other people. You know, influence them. Don't be a coward and go to hell. Be courageous. Come to Jesus. Receive Him. You know, Pilate said, I can't find one thing wrong with Him. I can't find anything wrong with Him either. <laughs> I've known Him for, for uh, 65 years. I haven't found anything wrong yet with Him. You know? He's got a wonderful Savior. You know? I, I I find no fault with Him. And remember the centurion said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. This centurion, uh, standing by uh, Him, there at His uh, death on the cross, Truly, this man was the Son of uh, God of God, then knows what He Himself said. What did Jesus say at the cross of Calvary? I think of the greatest statement that Jesus ever made. And uh, one of the greatest statements, if not the greatest statement of the Bible, is John 19.30. Jesus said, it is finished.
1: Amen. Everything that needs to be done
0: to save a sinner from going to hell, Jesus did it all on the cross. You don't have to add baptism. You don't have to add good works. You don't have to add anything to it. In fact, if you add anything to it, the Bible says you make His death on the cross vain and empty, totally powerless to do anything for you. He said it's finished. And because it's finished, He's able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by Him. Hebrews 7.25 He's able to save to the uttermost. Even uh, though, you know, the uttermost... It was Queen Elizabeth I think who said uh, I'm glad that uh, the, uh, that uh, the Lord didn't say uh, any uh, you know uh, he said not many uh, famous not many rich but I'm glad it, I'm glad for an M yes. I'm glad for an M Are you following me Doc? huh it, did, it didn't say any it said many will not come many but uh, it did say any any wealthy, I mean, Queen Victoria, she bothered me. She came to establish a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you know? And uh, and she said in her testament, I'm glad for an M. <laughs> I'm glad that there was an M there. <laughs> you know, it didn't say any, it said, not many. Not many. See, the more money you have, the more intellect you have, uh, the, the, the more you, you're tempted to think, I, I'm self dependent. I, I can do it all. I don't. I can take care of it. No, you can't, my friend. You can't take care of your soul going to heaven and not to hell. Only Jesus can. Only a personal relationship with Him. And so we find, uh, where is He now? Where is He now? Jesus, He died, but He came from the grave. He's at the Father's right hand and He's able to save you this morning and anybody will come to Him. You know, why did He die? To give you a choice and be a choice as to whether or not we want to spend eternity in heaven or hell. He died to give you a choice and me a choice. Now I want to say something about that choice to, to receive Him or to reject Him. That's what God It us a choice to receive Him or to reject Him. It's one or the other. There's no in-between. Either you've received Him or you have rejected Him. And, and you know, I want to say this this morning. It's a lot easier to reject Jesus than to receive Him. Did you hear what I said? It's a lot easier to to reject Jesus than it is to receive Him. You know why? Number one, because of the devil. There's a real devil and he doesn't want you to receive him. You know, And he's going to do everything he can to keep you from receiving. He's going to do everything he can this morning to keep you from establishing that personal relationship with Jesus. The devil is real. You know? And he doesn't want you to get saved. And then the second reason why it's so easier to reject Jesus than receive Him, that is because of the world. The world is so full of distractions. The world will distract you from this important uh, relationship. It will keep you away from that, this important, establishment. this important relationship. The world's got all kinds of toys and all kinds of games and all kinds of pleasures and all kinds of things to distract people, to take care of the most violent thing to have in an eternal soul. And so the world... Uh, because of uh, it lying in the lap of the wicked one. The whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. Uh, what, why? Because uh, the devil uses the world to keep people from coming to Jesus and personally establishing your relationship with Him. See? There's the world. And then thirdly, why is it easier to reject Jesus and receive it? Number one, because of the devil, because of the world, and number three, because of uh, your sinful pride. I believe pride is probably the number one thing that keeps more people from coming to Jesus than anything else. Just the pride. What people think. What people we say. And pride. But I am going to show you this morning how you can overcome those three enemies and come to Jesus. How you can overcome those three enemies and come to Jesus Christ. First of all, by realizing what is really hard. <laughs> by realizing what is really hard. It's really hard when you don't come to Him. Because your future is bleak and dark. And it's a horrible future of eternal hellfire. It's really hard. But you know something else? It's it's gonna be really hard to, to reject Jesus this morning. You know why? Because it'll never be easier than it is today to receive him. It will never be easier. You say, well I I just it's just too hard this morning, preacher, I got this going, that going. Uh, it'll never be easier for you to receive Jesus Christ. You see, when you have enough to receive Him and you reject Him, it's going to be harder than ever before in your life. You know, there was a rich man that came to Jesus in Mark 10 and he said, what must I do to have eternal life? Jesus showed him uh, what he had to do. And uh, uh, he, re- he rejected Jesus. He he would not do what Jesus said to do. And you know what? He went away. The Bible says, sad. He went away to grieve us. Person re- rejects Jesus Christ, they're not gonna be the same ever. <clears throat> You're never gonna be the same. Your life's never gonna be the same. It's harder to reject Jesus. Why? Because you'll never be the same. Same. Why? You know, Agrippa had an opportunity to see the Lord Jesus Christ came to Agrippa. And he said some other time, uh, not now, Agrippa was under conviction. He was really convicted about his, his condition. He said, some other time, not now. And you know what? He never had this some other time.
1: He never had this
0: some other time. His heart was never tender. It was never tender again. See, you know, you you let sin in your life. It hardens your heart. and, And when you reject Christ and you don't want to receive Him and establish a personal relationship, it is never going to be easier. It's going to be harder because sin hardens the heart. And the devil comes along and he tricks and he, he uses all his means. It's harder to reject Jesus Christ than to receive him. But you know, secondly, it's harder to reject Jesus Christ and receive him. You know why? Because Jesus truly satisfied. Jesus truly satisfies the longing of your... You say, oh, I don't believe in life after death. You ever hear everybody say, oh, I don't believe in life after death. Well, let's say, I do, because I, I believe the Bible, you know. I believe the Bible. I mean, all around nature, things die and come to life. I mean, you put a seed out there, a seed, a corn seed, it dies before life comes. I mean, all oh, nature illustrates it. Uh, you know, uh, there's life after death and and, uh, and the highest part of God's creation is human beings. Why shouldn't it be that we will come forth from the dead and we will uh, come out of death and uh, death is not the, the end of it all. But let's say, for the sake of argument, that there is no life after death. Okay, let's say, I I know there is, but let's say, I'd still want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know why? Because He gives peace. He gives joy. He gives purpose and meaning in my life. I would still want to know Jesus. I'd still want to personally have Him be my Savior, even if there wasn't life after death. But there is. There is life after death. You know, Jesus, it's harder to reject and receive because you're turning down the one who can truly satisfy and meet the longings of your heart and give you peace in your soul. You know, there was a man by the name of Clarence Darrell. Do you remember Clarence Darrell? So you may. He was a an infamous lawyer. You know, almost so famous, but he was... Infamous lawyer because he was uh, fighting for evolution and it was uh, in that great uh, debate with uh, William Jennings Bryan. The two were debating. Uh, Bryan was a born again believer. He was defending creation and Darrell was uh, defending uh, uh, evolution. Darrell was uh, a man who was anti God, anti Bible, anti Christ. what you can think of. Darrell, however, had a good friend. His name was John Herm- Herman. And John Herman and Darrell went to the same school. They were friends, but they were on opposite ends of the pole. Herman was a born again Christian. Darrell what? And uh, how many of them were friends? And uh, one day uh, Darrell asked John Herman, said, "What do you want to do with your life, uh, Mister Darrell Clarence? What do you want to do with your life?" He said, "I just want to go out there and make a name for myself." You know. And he did. He got into the movies. He got into Broadway plays. He made all kinds of money. He, he you know, he's very, he, he made a name for himself. He sure did. But you know, uh, Daryl or Herman uh, asked uh, Daryl, uh, "What do you want to do?" Uh, and then uh, you know, uh, Daryl asked Herman, "What do you want to do with your life?" He said, "I I want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ." I want to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. A lawyer, he went on to be a lawyer, and he was very, very good lawyer. He said, "I want to serve Jesus Christ, though." And so, you know, uh, they, they continued the friendship. They got out of school, and Daryl went his way and made a name for himself, and you know, money and all the uh, all the notoriety that comes with uh, with uh, uh, the kind of lawyer a, a, a tremendous lawyer. Intellect lawyer and uh and herman went on his way, he was very very good as a, as a Christian lawyer serving the Lord. And they came, they would keep in touch with each other now and then. But one time, Daryl uh, writes to Herman, gets in contact with him, and says, John, I, I, want, I want you to come, I need to talk to you. I want you to come, uh, uh, would you come? And uh, Herman said, Yes, I'll go. And so he went there, and uh, John. Uh, Clarence Darrow asked John Herman he said I want you to turn to Luke 5.5 and so uh, Herman turned to Luke 5.5 and he said I want you to read that and so John Herman read Luke 5.5 which says we have toiled all night and we have taken nothing John Darrow or Clarence Darrow said that's me John Herman. I have labor all my life. I have gotten notoriety. I've gotten fame. I've got money. He said. But I have wasted my life. I have wasted my life. And you know uh, John Herman had the, he opened up the Bible and showed him how he could how he can know Jesus personally. He you know. said, why do you say that? What do you tell us that story? You know why? Here's the point of it all. Listen. If you want real peace and real joy and real happiness in your life and real purpose and meaning, it's not going to come by worldly success. It's not going to come by your intellect. It's not going to come uh, by being a great... It's going to come when you establish your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He can give you peace and joy. That's why uh, it's not hard to receive Him. Now it will be easy for you to come to Him and say, I want Jesus to be my... Personal Lord and uh, Savior, and there's one more reason why, dear friend, you need to establish a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what this church is all about. That's what that's what Bible believing church is all about: introducing people to Jesus, talking, lifting Him up. Bible says, if we lift Him up, He'll draw all men to Himself. I'm praying that Jesus, as we lift Him up tonight, showing you His man, that today showing you, that you His manhood, showing you His uniqueness. Showing you His authority. Showing you His death. I, I'm just praying as we lift Him up that He will draw you. You'll be drawn to Him. You'll be drawn to Him. Even as a Christian, be drawn, so you need to be drawn back to Him. You've got to wander away from, you need to be drawn back to Him.
1: See?
0: But there's one more reason why you need to establish a personal relation with Jesus Christ and that is because uh, of His desire. He wants to know you. Isn't that amazing? That the great God of heaven, Jesus Christ, creator of all the world, He wants to know you. He wants to know you. And dear friend, you can't know Him you can't know Him through intellect. You can't know Him uh, through science. You can't know Him through religion. Remember, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, many of you say, uh, Lord, did not do this, did not do that. And Jesus could say, the prophet I never knew you. You can't know Jesus Christ through religion. There's only one way to know Jesus Christ. And that is by faith. That's how you know Him. You take your faith and you put it in Jesus Christ completely in Him not plus anything else but put your faith and trust in Him. Say, Preacher, I don't have faith. Yes, you do. Everyone has that faith. You have faith to sit in that pew but it's going to hold you. You had faith this morning when you took a drink of that cup of coffee that your wife fixed so you didn't put poison in it. Amen? You have faith. You have faith every day. That's right. Amen. God wants you to take... How much faith you've got to have, Preacher? To establish it just take the faith in God, just take, maybe it's just a little bit of faith, you know, one time Charles Spurgeon asked, what said that, uh, uh, a little faith will take your, heaven, your soul to heaven, big faith will bring heaven to your soul. So you just take the little thing God put in Jesus and He saves. It's not your faith to saves. It's it's the object of your faith that saves. It's putting your faith totally in the bloody and, uh, and, and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to save your soul, that He died for you, that you can't get uh, to heaven without Him, that you can't have one of your sins washed away without His precious blood doing it. And so you put your faith and trust in Him. what little faith God put in Him? And then of course... After you get saved, you grow that faith by obeying it and living for Him. You grow that faith, and that's what heaven fills your soul. I mean, you know, it's it's getting saved is, is just the beginning. It's not the end. God wants you to, to grow and, and go on for Him. So that's how you that's how your faith gets bigger and stronger. And uh, and, and you know, without faith, it's impossible. It Please God, say. And so you need to grow that faith by, by obedience. But getting saved and established a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is not you having a, a lot of faith. You know, I just don't think I've got the faith that I need to get. No, just take the little faith. You've got. It. You got it. you got faith. You have excellence every single day of your life. Just take the little faith you got. Put it in Jesus alone. And He will save you. I was in Spokane, Washington. My hometown. I'm a Westerner. I was raised out in Washington State. And, uh, you know, I, I got saved when I was six years old. I as a personal resident of Christ. I was 16 years old, I came to Jesus Christ. But, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, really grow for two years of my life. I just wasted, I just wandered and wasted my life. And, you know, I, I, I just didn't witness. I didn't know how to live the Christian life. And I was just wasted. I never talked to some of my high school friends about Jesus. You know, I saved my, my junior year. So I, I have my junior year, my senior year, but I never really witnessed to, to, to my, my, uh, some of my Christian uh, friends. And so I've always uh, wanted to go back and, and try to look some of them up. And so I've gone back a number of times to Spokane for that one reason, just to look up some of my high school friends. This past year, uh, in, in August, I went back to Spokane, Washington, and uh, I was looking for some of my friends to, to tell them how Jesus Christ has saved my soul and how they can be saved and and how they could uh, go to heaven and not tell. And so, I, I, I got in touch with a, uh, one of my high school friends. His name was Howard. We called him Bud. And he was a third baseman of our baseball team. I was a shortstop. We had a good baseball team. Because of... Uh, no, not because of me. I'll tell you what. Just like Pastor said, it's not me. It's, you know, uh, we had a bad baseball team. It depends on me. But we had a good baseball team because, you know... We had a guy, by the name of Bud Gatlin. He was their baseball boy, and he hit the ball. I'm mean, going to tell you something. He could hit that ball, and you know he got a, a, a full ride scholarship to Gonzaga uh, for baseball. Gonzaga is a, a big basketball uh, school, but they have baseball there, and he uh, got a full ride scholarship. But he said I never completed it because the St. Louis Cardinals came along and offered me a contract to come play with, with them. I never knew that, but I found that out this last summer that he he played pro ball. He said, you know, there's just an emptiness there." He said, all these years I've wanted to be a ball player. All these years. And I can identify that because I want to be a big ball, big league ball player too. He said, all these years I thought I could just make it to pros. If I could just, oh man, I, I would I would have thrived, he said. But you know, he said, I quit playing baseball because it just didn't do it. I was so, I left. I left playing baseball. And uh, he said, I came back home and my dad had a little l- lumber business. He said, I, I started uh, taking that business, control the business, and, and it started growing. he said, you know, that, uh, uh, that business really took off. He's a multi-millionaire now. He owns discount lumber out in Spokane, Washington. And uh, he's really done well. But he said, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. He said, I think not
1: he said, I got money.
0: Got a nice home. I got all this stuff. I said, a pro ball player. He said, and I said, well, but would you mind let me tell you how Jesus changed my life? He said, sure, go ahead. And I opened up the Scriptures and I told him about Jesus going to cross. And just like I told you, I told him about his manhood, told him about his authority, He told him about his... Uh, you know, I told him about his... Uh, uh, death you know I went and told him all that and I said but I was I knew about Jesus for years I knew about but I didn't ever know him personally he I didn't have the certainty if I said I'd go to heaven not tell I was religious I went church I knew about you but I didn't know him personally and I said but do you know personally that if you were to you'd go to heaven because you know Jesus Christ and he, he didn't know that. I said, Bud, would you be willing this very day to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and ask him to save your soul with all your
1: uh, meaning within your heart? Would you want to do that? He said,
0: yes. And Bud, right there in his home, bowed his knee and he trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And he no longer just knows about Jesus. He knows it personally. My friend, Jesus wants to know you. Does He? Do you know Him? Is He real to you? Is He real? Is He he someone that you walk with and talk with? I mean, is He real? You know, He'll never be real until there's a time and place in your life where you personally trust Him as your Savior. I hope you do that today. What's the purpose of a church? <laughs> it's not entertainment. It's not to make people feel good. It's not to, uh, you know, talk, uh, meet social needs of people. What's the purpose of the church? It's not political. The purpose of a church is to tell everybody that can that Jesus is the answer. He's the answer. Thank God. This has been the purpose of this church. And we need a whole bunch more like them. Let's bow our heads and hearts in prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word. Speak to our hearts, Lord, this morning. Uh, Father, you know the needs of people in this building. and uh, Lord, we just pray you'll take the word of God and you'll you'll touch their hearts. You said if we lift you up, Lord, you draw them into yourself. And This morning, Lord, I've tried to lift up Jesus and show how, how marvelous he is, how wonderful he is. And, and Lord, I pray that you would help people to realize... That what their hearts crying out for and craving for is not going to be found anywhere else other than the knowing Jesus Christ personally. And so, Father, we just commit uh, the service to you. Bless this invitation time now in Jesus' name. As our heads about and our eyes and the panelist, if she would turn to number two forty-six, number two forty-six. And just start playing that softly as you would. Number 246. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. He's calling for you. He's calling for you. I wonder how many can say, preacher, I know if I should die right now, I'd go to heaven and not to hell. I know that for sure. I don't question. I don't doubt. I know it for sure. And I know there's been a time and a place when I... I've established a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you know that for sure, if you know that for sure, would you raise that hand high and just lift it up and say, thank God, I know there's been a time and a place when I've established a personal relationship. I've asked Jesus Christ to save me. I've come to Him. I've come to Him and trusted Him. Oh, dear friend, He wants to know you. He's not in your heart, door. No Behold, I stand before knock, He says in Revelation 3.20, if any man hear my voice, but open the door. I will come in. Jesus is a gentleman. He does not barge away. He knocks. But you have to open the door. I wonder how many say, Preacher, I need to open the door to Jesus. I need to establish a person. I've known a Bible for years. But I've never known a person Relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you lift that hand right now for prayer and say, Preacher, I, 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 I want to know Jesus Christ personally as my Savior. I want to establish that relationship. He's not good. He wants to have that relationship. He wants to. He's, He's not good. Say, Preacher, I'd like to do it. Here's my hand. Would you lift that hand right for prayer? Any place, anywhere, cross the building. Any place, anywhere, cross the building. Stand please, every head's bowed, every eyes closed, no one's looking around. And uh, if you have a songbook, we're going to sing 246 softly and tenderly. We're going to sing this great song. And if God speaking in your heart about establishing a personal relationship, maybe it's a Christian. Let me say this. With your heads bowed, eyes How many would say this, Richard? God has spoken in my heart this morning. You know, not audibly, but he spoke in my spirit, my soul. He has spoken to my heart. what he has. If he has, would you lift that hand and say, Richard, God spoke to my heart today about something in my life, something God spoke to my heart. Not audibly, but personally. In my soul, my spirit. God spoke to my heart. Would you lift that hand? You don't know, like that possibility? God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. I don't want anybody else. Maybe you just need to get closer to the Lord. You're, yes, God bless you, ma'am. Oh, God bless you. Uh, that dear lady, I know And uh, anyway, uh, he said, God spoke in my heart, preacher. Oh, I'm saved. I've established a personal relationship, but I, I've got away from him. I need, I need to get back to walking with Jesus Christ. God spoke in my heart, preacher, about that. Pray
1: for him. Everybody else, quickly. Everybody else, quickly.
0: This lady. Student. We're going to sing this great song of meditation. And if God spoke to your heart this morning, I want you just to slip out from where you're standing. And there's an altar. You can come up here in prayer. Talk to the Lord about what He's talked to you about. Just talk to it. Maybe there's a decision. You need to make pastors up here. Just come and say, Pastor, God has spoken to my heart a Christian. There's some needs in my life. I need to get closer to the Lord than I am. I know that. And God's spoken to my heart about it. If so, if you raise your hand, you come. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you should have. You know you should have. Would you slip out and come as we sing softly and tenderly, Jesus calling. You come as we sing softly and tenderly, Jesus
1: come forth sing that fourth verse, shall we? One more verse. Some have responded and we're thankful for that. And you know, take it to the next step and let us pray with you, let us help you if there's something specific the Lord has spoken to you about. We're here to help you. Amen. You want to do that, all right? Don't be a going, fear, pride, anything, whatever. Stand in your way. Right? So on that fourth verse, we're going to give you that opportunity. We come as we sing. And we're gonna have prayer, and we'll still be here. So, if you want to talk to us after the service, please do that. Please. Do that. So if we can be of help. All right. Verse number four. Hmm. You know, I came to that same thing, brother, one time. I always knew Jesus, you know, God so loved the world. Well, it's something, it's something else. And he realized he loved me. You know, Amen. That's just... <coughs> and I knew I, the kind of home I grew up in, <laughs> there wasn't much love. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I know what you years mean. Ago, yeah. And so, I'm you know, boy, was a little hmm. kid, hmm. he told me that Jesus loved me. That I, that was just... That was overwhelming. Yes. In a, in a good way. Yes. He loves everybody. He loves you. He loves me. Yes. Praise the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for thy great love that sent Christ to die for us. And we realize also, Father, that it was thy holiness that mm-hmm. sent him as well. Because he was, mm-hmm. died for our sins. Mm-hmm. And Lord, Lord God, we're all sinners. And I pray if anybody uh, has not acknowledged that, about well, well, being a sinner, may the Spirit of God bring that conviction. Just be with us, Lord. Meet our hearts and our needs, and just continue to speak. And uh, just watch over us, Lord. Do the work that needs to be done. We're thankful and we praise you for all that's accomplished. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, everybody's welcome to stay and have dinner with us. And so I'm going to be taking the band here pretty soon. And all these guys in this world.